Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast is brought to you by SomersetSportsPerformance.com. Well, the end of another year is coming up quickly, and this is going to be the one, one of the last podcast shows for this year. We've just got one more, and this podcast is going to be released a little bit early, as I always do when I'm going out of town. My wife and I are going up to Wisconsin, where both, both of us are from, to visit our families for... Christmas and and the holidays. So this podcast is coming out a little bit early on the 18th of December. I hope you guys enjoy it. It's going to be a continuation of podcast number 96, which is my conversation with mental tennis expert David Grumping. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. Let's move on to a question from Affinity, who is in Saudi Arabia. He wrote and asked, How about mental tennis for doubles? Since points and errors for both me and my partner go around so fast, how do we cope up with everything that's going on and still focus on the game? How do we deal with our partner if he's insert negative attitude here <laughs> right uh, in quotation so if you if your partner if your doubles partner has a negative attitude and then he's talking about um you know maybe dealing with errors and maybe especially if you feel like you're letting your partner down that sort of thing and mm. then he just adds one more sentence i'm generally nervous when i'm paired up with somebody better especially when my volleys aren't connecting so it sounds like really the the biggest thing that affinity is asking us to talk about is uh, that kind of natural feeling of accountability that you feel towards your partner where you really feel like you have to come up big and, and not let them down, et cetera, which, which can be kind of a, a tough mental exercise. Right. So what, what are your thoughts on that, David? Uh, they're actually, they're two, you know, doubles mental toughness is actually, it's a, it's a really good topic because that, that for some reason it's, it's, it's very tricky for us. I don't know why exactly. There are a lot of things that, that we can get stuck in. Um, and it's actually, this is, a, this is who I guess would be a two-parter. Um, okay. When you're, I'll, I'll do, uh, if your partner is in a funk and then if you, you feel like you're letting your partner down. Those are separate, actually. Sure. So if, you're, if your partner is making mistakes, they're in a funk, See, doubles, one thing that makes doubles so tricky is there's somebody on your team and they're right there and you can blame them for why it's not going well. <laughs> and they're like a perfect target. And we love to blame people when stuff's not going well. So the first thing, you know, your partner, if they're, you know, they can get in a funk, they can make mistakes, they're going to do that. It can happen easily, right? Um, bring them to essential tennis so, so they don't, right? But, what, you know, what you really need to avoid is blaming them, thinking about how they suck, how they need to play better, all, all of that. And what you really need to do 
is have your focus on encouraging them and letting them know it's all good, you know, kind of, I don't, I don't like the word pumping them up, but, um, but you, you just, you just can't have them be wrong or bad or, or they, like they did something wrong or bad in your own thinking. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm, and it, that reminds me of something that you talked about. I think it was in answering the last question about playing a friend or somebody who, who's injured. You made the statement that just in being humans in general, we kind of all have an innate desire to want to be liked and admired. And, and, uh, you know, <laughs> because of that, it can be kind of difficult to, to deal with, uh, uh, somebody who's kind of in a bad mood. Um, right. uh, although it, it makes it kind of interesting that it can be kind of easy to blame them and, and get in a negative mood yourself if they're missing. Yeah, exactly. See, if they're missing and they're in a bad, and they're being what I call not mentally tough, the last thing you, the last thing you can afford to do is get unmentally tough. And it's really easy yeah. to follow them to their wherever they are mentally. The thing yeah, is, two negative, really, two, two negative attitudes is pretty tough. Pretty tough to overcome on the the tennis court. Right, it doesn't make a positive, unfortunately. Right? So, <laughs> Crap, that's too bad. <laughs> right, there goes that strategy. Right. <laughs> See, we we think if we we think that if we in our head or even out loud if we berate them or think they tell them they suck or think they suck or they're doing bad or whatever, then it's actually going to change them. You know, it's actually going to get them like to do something different. Right? It's, it's definitely not going to. It'll actually make it worse for them. <laughs> um, what is exactly what it is. The thing is, it's easy to follow them into a negative mental state, but also it's really easy for them to follow you into a positive mental state. The pro- the thing is, is who's going to insist more? Yeah. So what your job is is to stay, uh, I guess po- I don't like the word "quote unquote" positive, and in, in you know, and stay mentally tough while they're struggling, because it alleviates the pressure on them and it makes it easier for them because it's somehow, I don't know why exactly it works, it's natural to follow the other person in terms of the mental state. And so it's... How, it's okay? Instead of uh, positive, how about staying upbeat? Yeah, stay upbeat, yeah, or stay mentally tough, yeah. Those yeah. are either one of good. Uh, but it's, in yeah. terms of the, me- you know, the mental toughness, if you're mentally tough or you're not, it's easy to follow the other person, especially if they're negative. But what you need to do is perhaps, you know, is to not get down on them. Sure. So they can, if you're down on them, they're going to stay down on them, even if you're not saying anything. But if (laughs) you're not down on them, it lets them get not down on them. It lets them get mentally tough too. Yeah, and listeners, (laughs) we've we've all seen that that doubles partner who, after their partner makes a bad error, they might they might not say anything and say, "Oh, you dummy," or "Man, you're terrible today. You're just playing playing like crap." They might not oh, say God. that, right? <laughs> they might not say that uh, verbally, but you can tell easily from their body language. <laughs> you know, they uh, you know slump the shoulders and drop the head and just kind of, or maybe do the the shrug like the "Oh crap," you know, uh, you know maybe look up towards the sky and, and lift the arms up uh, kind of deal. Um, right. That doesn't help. That's, that's not good. <laughs> no, it really doesn't help your, your, your teammate. 
And, you know, once that happens, you're in a big trap because, yeah. you know, because then, you know, you decide to pump each other up, but that's on top of you just, you know, they, the other person knows whether you say it aloud or not that you're thinking they suck. They, <laughs> they, they can tell. We, you know, we think just because we're not saying it out loud, they're not going to be able to tell. No way. They can tell. You can tell when your double partner's mad at you. You can see these, whether they said anything or not. But well, I would encourage... Do, Sorry, go ahead, David. Uh, what you need to do is really be a leader and allow them, you know, you need to lead the way to mental toughness and allow them to follow regardless of what's going on with them and not blame them. We have, you have, the, the trick to all of this is to stop blaming your double partner for anything. Yeah. Well, I, w- I would encourage our, our listeners to, if you guys don't already, watch, seek out, and find some good doubles, tennis doubles on TV pr- at a professional level. And the Bryan brothers are a great example of this, what David is talking about. After one of them double faults, the other person will immediately hop up and, and jog back to the baseline and give him a high five. And it's not that they're encouraging the, the double fault. They're, they're trying to emotionally pick their partner up and be like, okay, let's go. That's fine. Forget about it. And now we're going to move on to the next point. What do you want to do here? And yeah. that, that helps your, your partner so much by just giving them unconditional support. And it really helps yeah. mentally for them to, to break out of maybe a bad day or a streak of bad shots or, or a negative attitude. Yeah, exactly. And, and one, and one pitfall, that's a great thing to do, but one pitfall is you don't want to jump, you know, run over and give them a high five thinking you just messed up or you suck. It'll, <laughs> it'll have you, the you, opposite effect. You'll just, then you'll just be weird and they will stop trusting you. You know what I'm saying? But you want to really have that on your mind also to really be encouraging them and to really Stay mentally tough while you do that because if you're if you're thinking they suck or they messed up and and you're going to make us lose and go high five them, it's still going to have the same <laughs> effect as if you didn't high five them. So we can't fake it. It doesn't work, unfortunately. It doesn't work. Okay, you 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 have to actually be nice. Unfortunately, guys, sorry. <laughs> yeah, be nice to your double partner, but not too nice to people on the other side of the net, even if they're your friend. <laughs> well, that's difficult. That's a tough balance. It's tough. Tricky. If it was easy, anybody could do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else, David, before we go to our last question? Oh, yeah. And if you are the person messing up, yeah. then have your double partner listen to this podcast. Uh, no, it, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's partially a joke, but partially true. But if you are the person messing up, chance, and, and, you're, and you're worried about letting your partner down, see, the thing is worrying about letting your partner down or hoping you're not bringing the team down or any of that, that's all... Again, part of the, the drives to be admired and liked by your double sure. partner. That's not going to help. See, they don't. It's not going to help you get mentally tough again, worrying about if you're being admired and liked. And they don't really care. They just want you to play well. Does that make sense? It's, it's our 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 desire here to be admired and liked. Oh man, I'm messing up, and all that that goes on in their head isn't something that they're actually really interested in. They just want you to go play well and have fun and all that stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if you, if you were open and talked to your partner about it, they would probably, you know, 98% of the time, they would probably probably say, don't worry about it, man. Just just go out there and, and play tough and, and do your best. And uh, yeah, you don't have to be perfect. Uh, they, they don't want you to feel pressure because clearly that's not 
conducive to your your performing well. Right. Yeah. And see, double, see how double mouth is tricky because it's another person you have to yeah, work with. They're kind of usually individual. It's very much like a good relationship. Yep. Which is not easy either. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David. Well, let's go on to our last question here. And this is probably one of the more interesting ones for myself. And uh, this is going to be a little, little, a couple of minutes here for me to read this. And uh, this comes from Gary on the forums who lives in Havertown, Pennsylvania. And he starts off his question here with a quote from the new Andre Agassi biography, uh, autobiography. And uh, I'm going to read through that and then read his question, which is pretty quick. But bear with me for a couple seconds here while I read this excerpt from the, the book, which I think is really interesting. And this is from uh, the book, which, which says, Tennis is the lonely, loneliest of sports. In golf, you play the course, plus you have a caddy. And the, and the game ends at 18 holes. In boxing, you have a corner man and a set number of rounds. In tennis, you're on an island with no clock. You can't sit on a lead. You have to win the last point to win a match. But I will say this. I can confidently say that tennis is the loneliest sport that exists. You're out there. You can't talk to anybody. And I'm talking about singles here, obviously. Double, you yep. can, right. You can't pass the ball. There are no timeouts. There's no coaching. You don't have to be good. You have to be better than one person, and that one person is on the other side of the net. It's like you're on an island. It's not like boxing where you're leaning on each other and you can feel each other. If you look at a tennis player, it's like solitary confinement out there. And what happens in solitary confinement? It always leads to self-talk. <laughs> you have those Lincoln-Douglas debates with yourself. You talk to yourself and you answer yourself. And tell me if you tell me if you've ever seen another sport where an athlete talks to themselves as much as they do in tennis. Well, that's definitely true. <laughs> and you, yep. you, you'll in watching competitive tennis, you guys will see all kinds of behavior that would normally be classified as crazy <laughs> and clinically <laughs> insane. And it's completely normal <laughs> out on a tennis court because because of what Agassi is, is describing here. You're, you're all alone and having to try to problem solve. You've got nobody to help you out. And you kind of start being a little crazy and, and kind of answering your own, your own questions, etc. So here's Gary's question. How do you deal with the loneliness of the sports and, and specifically the eternal self-talk? Some of the mental issues probably arise simply because we talk to ourselves too much and think too much about the score, about losing, etc. How do we defeat the toughest, the toughest opponent of all, ourselves? Deep. So that's, uh, you know, the, the self-talk is, um, you know, the thing is, we're always going to be thinking. Our mind is always going to be going. With <laughs> Unfortunately. Kind of Unfortunately, we cannot turn it off. There's yeah. no trick to, there's no method, there's no mental toughness muscle to do it. There's, uh, it. Your mind will always chatter. Otherwise, it'll get bored. So there's always that chatter going on. And, you know, whether we are aware that we're, you know, doing it, aware that we hear it, or if we're saying it out loud or we're saying it to ourselves, you know, there are a lot of different self-talks. Um, but I'm going to address the one that, that's our mind because we're alone. 
Sure. Uh, you know, there's that chatter that, you know, if you're in traffic or before you, you fall asleep at night, there's that, sometimes it keeps you up. You know, it goes on and on and on. You can't shut it up. Now, that's one type of what we call thinking. But that thinking has nothing to do with mental toughness at all. That actually, that type of thinking that it's random, it just comes to us, we don't have control over it, we can't stop it thinking, that is actually very contrary to our mental toughness because that kind of thinking has nothing to do, it doesn't care if we win or not. Hmm. Um, the thing is we, that's interesting. And there are all these thoughts that bubble up and, you know, we, the thing is we, the, the, the pitfall is we think they're all true. Now, I've had plenty of thoughts before that are not true. <laughs> and too. we, but the thing is, we the, the trap is we act like they are true. You no, know, if you know, there are no actual thoughts in your head. They're just they're synapses firing randomly, and they they show up as thoughts, right? I mean, we you know they, they occur to us as thoughts. You know, if we open up someone's head, there would not be thoughts. There's you know, goo. <laughs> now, and the, the the problem is we act like it's true. Now we, and but here's the trick: we have these thoughts. And you want to get good at when you're on the court with being able to hear these thoughts. Because you, when you hear them, you want to be able to not do them or not listen to a lot of them. Because a lot of them are not useful. Like, you know, you suck, you're not doing good, all that stuff. That's, you hmm. know, we, we say that to ourselves and we think it's actually true. Well, that, that's an interesting statement to me that you just made. So, so trying to actually ignore them or pretend they're not there is not going to work? Well, what we usually do is is uh, is uh, resist them, which makes mm-hmm. them more real. You're only if they there's only you can only resist stuff that's real. So actually, when you push against them, it makes them more real. Hmm. Um, if you just kind of let them pass by and gone, then it's gone. Boom, done. And you know, there's actually proof that you can not listen to your thoughts. And Proof is, I don't know if anybody's ever been in a store and all of a sudden the thought was like, steal it. Or <laughs> if you're sitting at a red light and it's like either early in the morning or late at night or something, yeah. and the thought is, go. And, you know, both times, you know, I, I've done both, but both times you didn't do it. Hopefully, most of the time, at least once for this example. So, so let me, I'm just trying to understand something here. So is this, in letting these thoughts pass by, is, should this be a, a conscious thing that we're, we're picking those out and saying, no, no, I don't want to listen to that. Or should this be something that we don't, we're not conscious of and we're, we're just kind of letting it slide by without really paying attention, uh, paying attention. Oh, oh no, this is mental toughness muscle big time. You definitely okay. have to be conscious of this. All right. All right. Um, because just if you're just kind of cruising, coasting on, on autopilot, I mean, because you, you'll listen to them, definitely. So it's something you want to get good at distinguishing, oh, that's a, that's a thought that, that's going to not help mental toughness. And, you know, there are a lot of times I have thoughts, I'm like, huh, that was a really interesting thought I'd have had. And, you know, I could choose to buy into it or not, but it really it takes not buying into the thoughts that bubble up. And there's another type of thinking that really helps with this, which is what I call intellectual effort. And that's the type of thinking that we don't like to do because it's effort. (laughs) 
Yeah, you, you nailed me there. <laughs> it, right, none of us do. You know, it's it's the type of thinking that if you've ever done very complex math homework or planning or you know real hard thinking, and some people, you know, I, there are plenty of people who may have never, and that's not a problem, but it's it's something you have to teach yourself if you want to be mentally tough. That if you if you it's like you're thinking and you really do feel the burn. It's like lifting weights, but with yeah. your brain. That's the kind of intellectual effort thinking that sure, yeah. I'm talking about that takes that it, you need to do mental toughness. So, so let me let me ask you this, David. The uh, the self talk, like like the actual verbal talking, can that act, can that ever be a good thing or a helpful thing to our our mental toughness or our mental muscle, or is it always self defeating? That's a good question. Um, see, most of the time, the thoughts that bubble up ha- do not have an interest in us winning and, you know, being really tough. Most of the time. You know, a lot of times we try and do some positive thinking and we try and, you know, pump ourselves up and like, I'm awesome, I'm awesome, I'm, you know, I can do this, I can... Mm-hmm. But, yeah. that's, but that's, to, that's fighting against the thought that what? I suck, I'm going to lose, which makes I suck, I'm going to lose that much more real. Because you don't, you know, you don't, it's like, it's like uh, getting in a fight with, in a room where there's nobody there. It's like, it's like fighting some, you know, you wouldn't start swinging punches in an empty room because there's nobody <laughs> to fight. Good analogy. <laughs> it's like swinging punches at the, at the, the quote-unquote negative self-talk. I'm awesome. I can do this. I'm the man. You don't get yourself pumped up to go eat cereal in the morning. There's no doubt you can eat cereal in the morning in your mind. You don't start thinking, I can eat this cereal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to devour this cereal. You don't think that. Because you're, <laughs> well, maybe, you're maybe, not like... Maybe you don't. I do. Right. <laughs> the general, I, I would say the general consensus, you know, it's like, I'm going to crush these eggs. I can totally finish this plate of eggs. Two eggs. I can do this. You know, most people don't do that because, you know, this, your, your thoughts are not like, ooh, these eggs might be kind of tricky to eat. I don't know if I can do this. I'm, I'm a pretty bad eater. It's the, same, it's the so, same thing. So is this why inevitably, it, it, seems, it seems like, not always, but it, it seems like inevitably, whoever happens to be on the top of the tennis world professionally kind of seems to be this boring type person, you know, Sampras, Federer, uh, at, you know, Edberg, I don't know who else has been Borg. Uh, these seemingly kind of boring type of personalities that never have any reaction on the court, um, and they're just kind of even keel the entire time. Is this? That's not really a mistake, is it? Um, I would say. <laughs> well, you know, they're not very dramatic players, and I would say that the drama that a lot of people add to tennis really doesn't help. And, hmm. I, you know, especially Agassi, it's always impressed me when I was watching him, that yeah. you could just tell how focused he was the whole match and how you could tell he was putting a lot of effort into managing the BS that went on in his head. You could just tell by looking at the guy that he was really focused and concentrating so hard during changeovers, during, you know, between points. And I would, I would, uh, uh, wager that it's what he was, you know, he, he, I don't know, he may have been counting sheep for all I know, but, you know, I would wager that he was really focused on, and he's using what I call the intellectual effort to manage what was going on in his head, and that's really what it takes to be really tough. 
Interesting. And, so, and yeah, you know, I don't, if they're, if they're boring and, and pretty even keel, that means they don't let themselves get dramatic on the court. Right. They, they, you know, they probably stay pretty focused and focused on what, you know, play well, which is, I highly recommend that. Well, it's inter- it's interesting to me that other players have been successful while like seemingly <laughs> listening to the the voices in their head completely and <laughs> like and Saffin, talking right? back. Yeah, Safin, um Jimmy Connors, uh John McEnroe, uh, you know, guys like that who are who are really dramatic to use right. the, the word that that you did. How how come they're able to be successful even though they're they're fully carrying on conversations with themselves? Uh, that's that's a good question. You know, I was actually thinking about this a little earlier today, and I honestly I don't know enough about Jimmy Connors and, and McEnroe, and I don't I haven't seen them play enough to really remark on it. But uh, with Saffin, I you know he's not exactly uh, you know his ranking is up and he's not yeah. the most steady, consistent player. You know, yeah, and, that's a good point. You know, if it, if his meant you know I think when he does get successful, it's if you asked him how he was getting successful, you know, the times when he's when he was really on top of the game, he would have no idea probably. And he, I think, <laughs> he, you know, he's so, this is my guess, you know, and I hope he's not out there, you know, I'm going to kick his butt now, but he's going to come beat me up. But, um, you could take him. It, yeah, it's on, it's on. But um, <laughs> I would, I would, my, I mean, what I would guess is that he gets successful and wins a lot despite himself. Because he's just that talented. And, yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that statement. And I, you know, I you know I, I know there are a lot of Djokovic fans out there, but I think he's he's gotten to where he is despite his mental game as well. I I um, Djokovic I likes Twinkies. Also. Huh? I said Djokovic likes Twinkies. He loves he loves getting tight and he loves choking and all that. I don't I don't know <laughs> how he's like top five in the world besides he's oh. so good at tennis. <laughs> Oh, plus, uh, and what I mean by that, which I'm, I'm sure you caught, but but he's kind of a whiner. Like he he, he likes to pick something to kind of complain about, and uh, you know, you get a little bit of that juice that you're always talking about. Mm-hmm, totally, yeah. He's he's really into it. I wouldn't emulate his mental game. We're definitely not Saffin's mental game. Um, but if you know, again, when you look at players like Agassi, he's really really focused on managing what's going on in his head, and really has a strong intent to kick button wins. I mean, he realizes that he's on the court and the game that he's playing is winning at tennis, not the drama game, not the, you know, whatever game that people end up do playing on the court that actually doesn't have much to do with tennis. Not the blame game, not any of that. Right. Well, let's wrap this topic up and in doing so, David, can you please just summarize uh, your, your answer to Gary's question, which was, um, how do we defeat the toughest opponents of all ourselves? The the self talk. Um, use intellectual effort and hard thinking to manage. And when I say manage, is to not buy into the random bubbling up thoughts that come into your head, because they're not actually true. You made them up. Would be the in a nutshell answer. All right. Well. David, it's been a pleasure as always, and uh, also, as always, this hour has really gone past quickly, and thank you very much for being here. And real briefly, I, w- I want to thank the people who asked the questions that David has answered today, John yeah, in real you. life, 
Gary, Affinity, Brian Mark, Charles O, and Nam on the forums. All of you guys, thank you so much for the, the thought and the time that you put in to ask these questions. And the rest of you listening who are not members of the forums at EssentialTenants.com, you guys are really missing out because we get a lot of content and questions to, to answer on the podcast here. And if you want expert, personalized feedback and, and answers like we've done today, definitely go sign up. And David posts on the forums as well. Not... Yep. Um, I, I wish I wish you came around more often, David, because people really like to have you there. But uh, I know you're busy with your your own site as well. Yeah, and I yeah I, I wish I could make it by too um, a little more. And also one last, one last thing is uh, with with these things we talked about today. I'm in the next couple of weeks, and I I plan on writing articles about a lot of these topics. Okay, and um, I'll for sure post them on my own blog. Um. And I'll probably post a good number of them on the Essential Tennis blog. Uh, it's not, it's not all of them. And so, you know, uh, come by my website, stop by Essential Tennis, make sure they're, you know, you read them, go over it, and and you know, some people like to read things also. Yeah. And uh, you know, join join the Essential Tennis Facebook group and and my own Facebook group, and you know, especially mine because it, it boosts my ego. I like to have a lot of fans in that place. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at, least also, you're, I, at least you're honest. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I also, I also post a lot of articles up there, and I, I, I give out a notice to the people, you know, to, to the fans, and they do know when there's a new article to check out. Awesome. All right, good stuff. And before we sign off, David, please give us the, the web address to your, your website as well. Yeah, it's sports.gemexeccoach.com. It's sports.gemexecoach.com. Or sports.gemini.executivecoaching.com. All right. Well, David Grumping, thanks very much for spending your time with us. And another two-part series, uh, two-podcast series here. Thanks very much. I, I know that my listeners really appreciate your time, and the members at the forums do as well. Your insights have been interesting and, and very informative, uh, as always. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, All right, that does it for episode number 97 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you very much for joining me today, and I hope that you enjoyed the show and my talk with David Grumping. Mental tennis is always an interesting topic to myself, and I hope that you found it as interesting as I did. So until next time, take care, everybody, and good luck with your tennis.